podcast? Have, have, have you been on podcasts often? Is that what you're saying? I've done some other podcasts, yeah, in the past. Um, <clears throat> like what? Uh, there's this one called Bitch Talk. <laughs> They're great, actually. You should check them out. What's, what's, the, uh, what's the premise of this bitch talk? I think it's just women who talk about different cultural things. They're based in San Francisco, so they interviewed me when I was out there actually uh, screening this film at the San Francisco Documentary Festival. Cool. Yeah. And uh, it's a, it's a, it kind of sounds like shit talking, but they're, I guess they're referring to themselves as bitches. And they're, they're yeah, I think it's mainly, um, you know, in the Ani DeFranco sense of the word, reclaiming <laughs> the word bitch. Yeah. <laughs> bitches offering cultural criticisms. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. That's it. I'm sorry. No uh, problem. Do you need some water? Uh, I, I might need some. This is a weird angle to be doing this at. Yeah, so, okay. Like, I don't think I've ever, if we were, I remember when I podcasted uh, Dakota, I was sitting on this side of the desk. Yeah. And I because there's no leg room for someone who's not on your side of where you're sitting right yeah. now, which is where, because if you're sitting at the desk like you would if you're working at it. Yeah. There's no leg room, so I had to, uh, lean in, lean in, and like put both my legs on either side of the chair, push it all the way up to the to the desk, and yeah. then try to do it that way. Yeah, Which and you're I, and you're you're a you're a taller, bigger man uh, I than I am. Say, I wouldn't say taller or probably bigger. Yeah, like going this. I was way, I was just but saying this way. You know, in comparison to me, I'm a small I'm a small human. Yeah. So you're a bigger human than me. Which, by the way, for anyone listening, we're we are inside. Uh, Professor Dakota Nan's office. He's sitting off to the side right here. I'm, we're we're uh yeah. There's there's uh somebody who is not just observing us. I feel like um they're yeah we're we're uh it's it's not quite overhearing, but it's also not quite <laughs> eavesdropping. Yeah, because for one, he's right there, and also he's cohabitating space with also, us. But you, that's about also uh, you're going to hear this again after like it's released. <laughs> so it's gonna, <laughs> but uh. So, uh, you're, you, uh, Adam Sekuler. Yeah, that's me. Are, you said, you're, my, you you're, said my name right. That's like a real rarity. Yeah. <laughs> Good work. Which, by the way, when I was first contacting Professor Nan about having you on a podcast, yeah. I totally misspelled your name. Oh, yeah, well. And then I noticed it, and then the minute after, I, I like, copy-pasted the email and actually spelled your name right in the thing. Okay. So, like, so he could, if he, when he did forward it to you, your name was spelled correctly. I wonder how many people, in order to like even get my name correct, end up copying and pasting it. <laughs> it's a good question. I've never thought of it before. Thanks for opening up a whole new um, realm of uh, you know my imagination to, to how my name is circulating in the world. Because I um I like I glanced at your name. It's even on my syllabus for yeah. the class. Okay, it said. Like uh, this week, visiting I made filmmaker. It. That, Adam, is, that is me making it right there. Your name on a syllabus, <laughs> yes. and it's not because you're an instructor. You made it. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I that's looked, right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and <clears throat> I looked at it, like glanced at it once or twice. I'm like, Adam Sakula. Sakula. That's his name. That's totally his name, Adam Sakula. And then I'm writing the email to then. And, um, and when I sent it, I'm looking at your website because I yeah. wanted to like get your information to put sure. into um, you're my, doing your research. My spread, I should have done it before then. Yeah. But I was doing for research for the podcast to like put in the show notes. Hey, Adam Sekuler is X, Y, and Z. He's visiting blah blah blah. Okay. Right. And then it's like, oh, Sekuler. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, most people call me secular. <laughs> so. 
And I have this like uh, oh, kind of Mr. Secular. Yeah. Is well, I I used to call it the secular Jew. It did. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, there's a kid I went to um, I went to middle school with who remembered my name. And for all of you who ever stumble across this podcast by copying pasting my name into a search engine, um, he uh, he remembered my last name by saying the Pepsi's in the cooler. <laughs> So there you go. Tip. I want pro tip. I want there to be like some kind of um, sitcom called the Secular Jew. Yeah, there you go. It's <laughs> actually I recently He's only ethnically Jewish. He's not observant. I recently conceived of a of a television show with another Jewish fella. Yeah. Uh, called Next Year in Oaxaca. <laughs> it's a pretty offensive show. <laughs> It's essentially about so no one picked it up. Well, <laughs> we haven't pitched it yet. But okay. This is this is like your learning of it first here on this podcast. You heard it here first, guys. Yeah, that's right. So um next year in Oaxaca is a is about two northeast Jewish guys who decide that they're going to convert to Mexican Catholicism. Oh, that- <laughs> and they uh they ride two horses from uh from Brooklyn to uh, Oaxaca, but they never make it there. Much like next year in, in Jerusalem, it's like a. The thing is, if you're Jewish, next year in Jerusalem, something you say at the end of the Passover Seder. So actually, this TV show begins at the Passover Seder, and you never. There is no next year in Jerusalem. It's never happened for most Jewish people. It's not like you end up in Jerusalem <laughs> a year later. So we actually would never arrive in Oaxaca. But the 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 journey is is. Uh, what it's all about is it's supposed to be comedy. So but, instead of, Oaxaca, but we've offended our own people and we've offended other people. In the you process. end up in Tijuana instead. Yeah, right. Yeah. Maybe Tijuana. Yeah. Next year in, in a prison in a prison in Tijuana probably <laughs> for trying to smuggle uh, horses over the border. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even realize is that a is that a real term Mexican Catholicism? Uh, I I believe there's like a whole brand like branch. There's probably different. Um, maybe we'll we'll drag Dakota into this. The only, <laughs> the, the only. That's <laughs> not like Greek Orthodox, like in terms of like it's its own branch. But I think like, I mean Catholicism is, is a thing. Yeah, I mean there's like you know there are I think there are like symbols that are specific to Mexican Catholicism. The only modifier I've heard regularly the, in front of the word Catholic is like Irish. Irish Catholic. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So. Well, we're going to rebrand um, Catholicism <laughs> with Mexican here. So, guys, we're rebranding Catholicism. Yep, that's we're what trying we're doing. to fix Catholicism. That's what's <laughs> happening in this podcast right now. <laughs> you are trying to fix Judaism and Catholicism right. at the same time. Well, we're trying to leave Judaism. <laughs> <laughs> so, trying to f- <laughs> we're looking to convert. It, that's kind of how Catholicism started. Yeah, started. I mean, like, like there is a there's it, a parable in here potentially. Were, so. it, they were the. <laughs> The original Catholics, whoever they were, yeah. it was them trying to fix Judaism. That's right. Whoever they were, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know? I mean, this is another interesting tidbit. Is like, uh, so I went to Hebrew school, as uh, any good um, Jewish boy would do when yeah. they're growing up. Uh, maybe Dakota didn't go to Hebrew school, but he's only partially Jewish. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, they taught us. Um, so instead of, you know, there's like BCE, which is like before the common era. Yeah. But it, when I was a kid, they taught us BCE meant before the common error. <laughs> <laughs> is that, is that what they're, that's how they refer to Christ? That's right. The, the common the error. Common <laughs> error. 
I mean, uh, he is present in all Abrahamic religions. I, yeah. <laughs> I think that's how he's present in in, in Judaism. <laughs> the common error. He was one of you, though. Yeah, I know, but I mean, he doesn't really show up in our version of of uh, the text that we read. So. How ashamed are Jewish people of Jesus? It's, yeah, it's a good. <laughs> because, well, so shame that we're trying to convert to Mexican Catholicism, apparently. So. Where he's the central figure. Well, <laughs> sort of. I mean, it's like, you know, it's some version of. Uh, I imagine like whoever wrote the first volume explaining Catholicism, the subtitle is, it's, it's called, it's titled Catholicism, the new Judaism. Yeah. I believe that was, that. <laughs> they, they dropped that because it was too confusing, <laughs> I think. I want there to be like another sequel yeah. to in this series of religions yeah. to Catholicism. I'm not sure what it Mexican would be. Mexican Judaism? <laughs> <I mean that. laughs> Mexican Judaism. <laughs> or, or, or it could be... Um, Mexican Buddhism? Or, I mean, like we can keep going here. Could, <laughs> or it could be like um, the a new version of Catholicism but based on the teachings of Buddy Christ from, yeah. from that Kevin Smith movie. But Buddy Christ, yeah, there you go. <laughs> but he, I mean, that sounds like a good book for Kevin Smith to write, potentially. <laughs> so. Uh, so, uh, uh, I mean, you, the funny part about this conversation is my films are nowhere near this humorous. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, it's, it's a different side of you that people can can. Yeah. F- can, they can, can listen it. to they can after feel watching it. your films. Yeah, they'll they'll be like, "Wow, I'm I'm in tears," but and <laughs> now I have to. You'll be in tears for another reason when yeah. you watch his films. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, uh, did you fly in yesterday, or I flew in last night, and boy, are my arms hurt. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, you're based in New Orleans, right? Yeah, I'm currently based in New Orleans. When did you start? When did you like settle? put your base down in New Orleans. When was that? Uh, that was like, um, I think it was three or four years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And what made you think New Orleans was the place to be? Have you been? I've never been. Yeah. Well, if you go, you'll understand. <laughs> I've heard there is... Uh, good food, good, good music. Food, good food, good music. Um, um, good culture. Yeah. 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 I'm a, you kind of, right now in particular, you don't, like, this is a place where you don't, New Orleans is a place where you don't feel like you live in the United States. Right, right. And at this particular juncture in American history, that's a very good feeling. <laughs> yeah. And um, uh, in case anybody finds this in the future, we're living through the 45th president of the United States. We we are, yes, we are. We, we currently are. And uh, you, um... How do how do you know Dakota here? Uh, so Dakota and I went to um, grad school together at UC Boulder, right? And, yeah, University of Colorado. Yeah, were, is Dakota were, a regular on this show? Like when uh, you interview people, uh, is he often he like has, the voyeur? <laughs> he has been on it once. Okay, and uh, well, he is a character. He's an identifiable character. Yes. Then there's usually not more than two people in, in this the room, episodic experience in, in the room while while i am recording a podcast with someone okay it's usually just me my, okay me so there's guest. not always a voyeur no <laughs> i'm always there you just aren't aware yeah <laughs> hey dakota do you want me want to be my co-host is it, 
because we keep you, dragging you in. If you say yes, I have to find a different device that has more than two inputs. <laughs> so you <laughs> no, but uh, just so, shout really loud, <laughs> <laughs> and then like the door will fly open periodically. Other people who like work in this department will yeah, show up. Yeah. And they'll be like, "What's going on in Someone this room?" Will, will go up to the window and start knocking on yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but uh, so. Are you guys around this right around the same age? Were you in the program like concurrently? I don't think we're around the same. So, I mean, the interesting thing about grad school is age is no longer a factor. Okay. Yeah. Um, although, you know, that's true for some undergrads as well. Uh, but we, I, I think I'm a year ahead of Dakota. Yeah. Or two years. Two years? Okay. Yeah, oh, right. Yeah. So, yeah, I was two years ahead. Um, and I am older. That much I know. I believe. D- Dakota informs me he's like probably the youngest um, person teaching on the campus here at the University of Harvard. Then they <laughs> maybe in this department. Certainly amongst the new faculty in the year again. Uh, the I mean, third you, year of the president yeah, <laughs> of the forty fifth president of the United States. Were you perhaps the final if we're lucky? Okay, keep going. Were, how did you guys like? I know you met in grad school, but yeah. was like. How did you guys meet? Were you in the class, in a, in a class and then like just mingled? And we, I swiped right. Um, <laughs> was Tinder a thing back then? Uh, well, I wasn't using <laughs> Tinder and I don't think Dakota was using Tinder either. But um, no, uh, you know, when a new grad comes into the program, you just, you end up meeting them. And Dakota had been through CU. He's like a fixture of sorts, I think, in the on the CU campus already. Um, but he had been in the art department and our film program is affiliated with the art department. Right. Have you seen the amazing prints? They're probably... I was aware uh, back when um, I had Dakota on the show that yeah. he has a bachelor's in printmaking. That's right. So He's a very good printmaker. I, I would imagine so. You got to so- show me some of your stuff. And uh, He should have a show here before he, <laughs> he finishes this fellowship that he's on. <laughs> You can arrange for that, I bet. We Actually, when he was on, we talked about him having his own podcast. Oh, yeah? Like the possibility of him having his own show. Um, that wasn't the kind of show I was referring to, oh, but yeah. <laughs> oh, you mean like... You mean an, an exhibition of his work. Well, this is what happens it's, when you decide to be a voyeur of a podcast. Yeah. Is you just end up becoming the subject of that podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For anyone looking to become the subject of a podcast, just walk into the room of a podcast and occupy space for a while. <laughs> Inevitably, you'll yeah. be roped in. Now, um, where did you go for undergrad? I went to the University of Minnesota. Okay. In the Twin Cities. Are Were you familiar you with the Twin Cities? Of Minneapolis and uh, what's the other one called? St. Paul. St. Paul. Yeah. St. Paul. Yeah. I would say most of my interest in, say, Minnesota comes from Bob Dylan. And the fact that he... Not like, Prince. Well, I, I'm also a fan of Prince. Yeah, but, but you're a bigger fan of Bob Dylan. Uh, I mean, back when I was inter- I was like really into Bob Dylan, like it was my life for a moment. Okay. Like, yeah, then, yeah, I would Robert say so. Zimmerman probably in that period of your life. Yeah. That's how you referred to <laughs> yeah, him, I would guess. Robert Allen Zimmerman. Yeah, there yeah. we go. See? And I knew like he attended the University of Minnesota. This is true. Year. He dropped out. Yeah. And then he just like went to New York to be Bob Dylan. But actually he played on the streets in the in Minneapolis in an area called Dinkytown. Yeah. Which I spent a fair amount of time in when I was living there. 
Um, it's very close to the campus. And uh, he played on 4th Street. And you must be familiar with the song Positively 4th Street. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you also probably are familiar with a song called All, the, All Along the Watchtower, yes. which he wrote and was um, popularized Wait. by. Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the Watchtower uh, is a is a tower in a different neighborhood just off the campus there. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. I never knew that. Yeah, so there's a lot of mythology around Bob Dylan. Oh, yeah, totally. In the Twin Cities in particular. Yeah. Actually, I used to work for a film production company in a building that was owned by a cousin of his. Really? Yeah. A Zimmerman. The guy told me he was Bob Dylan's cousin. Oh, okay. So it wasn't like I was just making affiliations <laughs> based upon the last name. There's probably, you know, thousands of Zimmermans. Oh, yeah, totally. Now, when you were at University of Minnesota, were you majoring in film there? I studied political science and film, and I also uh, studied French and cultural studies. Okay. Yeah, I did a lot. Do you want to start speaking in French? We could uh, I don't know French, guys. Okay. I've had other... I can start speaking in a French <laughs> accent if you really want me to. <laughs> the rest of this podcast will be in the character Jean-François. <laughs> we'll do a separate recording of us doing a sketch yeah. where you're at, you're, you'll be portraying the part of some Frenchman. It sounds and, good. <laughs> no, but um, so what your primary major or interest was film or political science? I, I don't think that I could separate the two at okay. the time. Yeah. They were interwoven in my, oh, in my consciousness in some way. Would, is because you're like driven to make... Um, Politic media. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's like in in a very subtle way a political agenda um, foot inside of my work, but it's not like agitprop filmmaking or anything like okay. that. We're going backwards now. I went from grad school to undergrad now. Yeah. Where, where are you actually from, though? Um, if you had to guess. Uh, Can't. Great. Um, wait, I'm from uh, New wait. Jersey. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not too far from here. We're separated by a single state. Yeah. Now, where, where, where in Jersey? Like northern Jersey? Or Central Jersey. Central? Yeah. Right. In uh, New Jersey, we like to refer to that part of the state as Central Jersey. Okay. Edison, home of the light bulb. Oh, okay. Yeah. Have you been? Uh, I think I've been to Jersey briefly and might have been when I was very young. Yeah. So. Why did you go? Do you remember? No. Okay. I probably just like dropped. It was probably like. Going through Jersey to get somewhere else. Okay. So. I mean, that's what New Jersey's best for. <laughs> <laughs> Being the intermediate. The, just yeah. The thing it's a pass through. through. It's a pass through. The thing you get through to get to Philadelphia. Yeah. Is, people get through <laughs> Jersey. I got through Jersey. <laughs> now, were you always. Funny? The, <laughs> yes. Were you, you're Jewish. You're funny. Now, <laughs> now we're offending everyone. <laughs> No, but were you always interested in film, like from a young age? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I used to go to the... You ever hear this place called Blockbuster Video? Yes. Okay. I remember I was in one. <laughs> You've, a few when you times. were probably in New Jersey, you passed through it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I used to go to the Blockbuster, which was like three blocks from my house. Yeah. And uh, I pretty much rented the entire foreign film section. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and watched it in my home. I watched a lot of movies in my house. My grandparents, I think, really were influential in helping me get interested in cinema. Would you say your fascination with film started 
went, well, what would be the age? Yeah, you're, you're like, like using your hand here. So um, probably at about like two and a half feet, maybe three feet. Okay. <laughs> How does that translate into years? Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm five foot eight. Yeah. <laughs> is this for me? Oh, yeah. That water is for you. Great. Okay. Thank yeah. you. You still have an answer, my, like what, what, what age would you say is like when you three beca- feet? You beca- <laughs> you be- what would, <laughs> what was the height at which you, you'd say you became conscious of film? Like you, you thought I like, I like watching movies and all that. I think it was when I achieved three feet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> do you remember like the first film you watched that made, that, that made, made me you, cry? That made yeah, you I like, do. No, I do remember my first. Not necessarily <laughs> made you cry, but okay. like made you conscious of like, oh, this is a good movie. Um, probably the one that made me cry. Okay. Turner and Hooch. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I was with my dad. We both cried. <laughs> Actually, a lot of crying experiences occur <laughs> with, when I'm watching films. That's they kind do. Of, that's kind of the if you want to make me cry, bring me to the movies. <laughs> That's the barometer I use to tell if a movie is good, if I cried. Yeah, <laughs> usually. I laughed, I cried, and it was better than it Cats. <laughs> <laughs> That's taken on a whole new meaning in the third year of the presidency of the 45th president of the United States. You say you were... It's now a very low bar. <laughs> No, it probably you, was a pretty low bar before, but it's like <laughs> it may it may have dug a ditch beneath its low bar. Now you say you're really interested in foreign films. You rented out yeah, the entire section. Yeah, from, I did from the from the blockbuster. Yep. What are, What are some of your favorites? My favorites. Um, well, at the time, probably Cinema Paradiso. Have you okay. seen this film? I've heard of it. I've not seen it. Yeah. Well, you should watch it. I, pr- I probably should. It will make you cry. I've I passed by it like on Netflix when it was on there. Yeah, and I'm sure it, it's somewhere. You'll be able to yeah. find it. It reportedly played in cinemas for over a year. Really? Yeah. It's, Not that that's any measure of success of a movie, but now is it a, Italian? It's film? an Italian film. Yeah. So it's the ET of Italian films that play that in a way. In. It is an ET <laughs> of Italian. I mean, you're dealing with a young kid as yeah. well. Yeah, there's something nostalgic about yeah. it. And the same, yeah, it's totally the ET of Italian films. Would you say? I think that <laughs> needs to go on the poster for Cinema Paradiso. <laughs> the ET of Italian. Films. Now, uh, would you say like Italian film is like your thing, or no. is it more just, or do you gravitate towards one more one nation over the other? No. So you're just consuming French, Italian, Japanese, uh, Japanese Indian, Indian all, all of them, right? Pakistani, Serbian films. Yeah, you yeah. name it. I did watch some Serbian films. There's some really good films from uh, well, it was former Yugoslavia. Yeah. But yeah, are you familiar with Amir Kustrica? No, I'm not. Yeah, well, you should check him out too. Yeah, I well, I'm trying to get Underground. More. Great movie. Right. Cool. I think I've heard I've heard of that one. Black. Uh, black and white, black cat, white cat. Do you know? No. I am. Maybe to, maybe our voyeur can Google. Yeah. <laughs> he's our he's our um our, our research assistant. Our research assistant. <laughs> um, I am trying to get more into foreign films. Yeah. Like, uh, is I, there a reason? Why did you Why did you decide foreign films are something you should get into? Because for some reason, it feels like everyone. Who's not every, not from the United every States? Every filmmaker, a different language, and yeah, no, it's <laughs> no, it's more like I feel like every filmmaker who is not American is just much better at filmmaking. 
And do you believe this because Parasite won the Academy Award this year? Well, kind of, yeah. Okay. Because, like... That's a great movie. Yeah, it is. I, I loved it. It seems like every foreign film I've watched is great and feels like... Does it feel like you're reading a book? They're hitting a higher mark in terms of artistry than, like, the average American film. I totally agree with that statement. We have an interruption with... Uh, this, this, this podcast is brought to you by... <laughs> Black Cat, White Cat. Yeah. <laughs> Amir Kustaricha. Yeah. I can't remember if it was either or. It's both. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like um, when I'm watching, say, Bong Joon-ho's films. Yeah. And noticing the directorial choices the in terms of like cinematography, editing, or just framing in general. Yeah. I'm, And he's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm looking at this. I'm like. There's a deep history of cinema embedded in foreign language oh yeah totally and i'm just thinking like he there is so much to dig into here in this film you that you normally would think it's not it makes me think like this guy this guy directs and he that he does and he (laughs) he he directs his ass off every movie he's made and it makes me think there's there must i'm so born and raised into American cinema Yeah, that it makes me think. Somebody's breaking in. There's a break-in. Oh, There's a break-in. <laughs> no, it's all right. No, no. <laughs> Housekeeping. Uh, <laughs> no, but... Uh, um, we're doing uh, this s- podcast in a <laughs> hotel room. <laughs> Office keeping. Uh, With no. a, there's a voyeur in this hotel room. <laughs> no, but so I'm so born and raised within the American realm of cinema. American cinema yeah. that like I'm that's mostly what I know. But then I look at stuff by like Bong Joon Ho. How old or, are you? I'm 23. Yeah. How tall are you? <laughs> I, I think we're the same height, five eight. <laughs> okay. How did you know I was five eight? Like you've done your research. <laughs> No, but uh, I'm so ingrained in American film. But then I notice people like Bong Joon-ho or yeah. like uh, people from France or Italy, like you know the old, the old school kind of Fellinis, the Jerome Godards, and whatever. yeah, sure. And like they, 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 these guys know how to make films, yeah. and they're. I agree, and it makes me think if if American cinema has its own industry and like lineage yeah. of people to. To look to, yeah, there are. That means every single country has their own. And this is true. You're right. That's a truism. Yeah, it makes me want to like dig into every single country's history of cinema. And you who, should start with Canada. Okay. Yeah. Seriously. Actually, you've shown us a lot of Canadian films from the Canadian Film Board. Uh, yeah, the uh, National Victoria Film Canada. Board of Canada. Yeah. 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 No joke. Canada has a very rich history of filmmaking oh yeah you might call it socialist filmmaking because it's supported by the state (laughs) in fact most other filmmaking is supported by the state in some capacity yeah but not in america in the year of the 45th president (laughs) in fact there are some canadian filmmakers who you wouldn't think they're canadian because they're so in the american sure industry david cronenberg maybe you're referring to him yeah or jim cameron Jim Cameron. As in James Cameron. Yes. And like... Uh, you guys are on a more intimate... <laughs> I, I know Jim. Yeah. No, I don't. It's like uh, Marty. <laughs> Marty. We're pals with Marty. <laughs> I Actually, Dakota and I had a professor who used to claim to know Marty. Really? Yeah, it was Dakota's thesis advisor. Oh, uh, yeah, that's smart. 
Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Marty's curator came to Dakota's thesis yeah, show. Yeah, Marty might have seen his film <laughs> at the Little Church in the Pines. <laughs> and uh, I don't think Marty saw it. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. What Canadian films would you say are good to watch? Uh, Gil Gruel. Okay. Check out his work. G-I-L-L-E-S-G-R-O-U-L-X maybe. Yeah. Okay. Something like that. Do you know Gil? No, Are you pals with Gil? Gile. Gilles. Gile. Gilles. Is that the this, s- is, this is the part where you can have me speak in a French accent. Is that the sequel to Gili? Yeah, with not, Ben Affleck and Jennifer definitely, Lopez? Definitely. Uh, Gil Gruel's films are not the sequel to okay. Gili. <laughs> Blasphemous. Jean-Claude Jutra. <laughs> another great Canadian film. Like, there's there's some really good uh, Alan King. Alan King okay. actually is a real ins- inspiration to me, to be honest. Okay. Um, especially for the film I'm playing here in Hartford. Okay, cool. Yeah. And uh, now, when did you start making making films? Were you... Uh, probably the first film that I attempted to make was sometime in high school with my parents' um, VHS camcorder. I just dated myself. <laughs> Have either of you watched a VHS tape? <laughs> um, I have. Okay. So. Well, there's still... Uh, okay. Yeah, we can keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so your first amateur film was in high school? Yeah. That, um, really, it was It was like I made an edit in high school. Okay. Meaning that I put two shots together. Right. <laughs> and it was a revelation for me. <laughs> a door opened literally in these two shots. Right. Okay. And my mind w- exploded yeah. with excitement. <laughs> it did. You wouldn't call that your first film, right? I mean, in a way, it's my first film. Okay. As much as like the Lumiere Brothers' first film yeah. is a Just single that, shot. The train coming to the... A train alli- arrives at Lyon yeah. Station. Yeah. What would you say is like the first thing where it felt like you had a vision, like your... Actually, I mean, I'm, I was conscious of the choices okay. I was making. Right. When I, in terms of opening a door. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I wonder if I shoot uh, a hand touching this door and then <laughs> the door opening if that works. And guess what? <laughs> Cinema magic. Yeah. But what would you say is like the first real thing you worked on that like had a narrative or something like that? Well, that's a, a difficult thing to ask. Like, was there... Was I don't there, know that I was interested in having a narrative okay necessarily was there one where it felt like you actually kind of knew what you were doing in terms of yeah for sure and like it came together and you're like I, this looks that's this actually looks real cool a door opening <laughs> <laughs> i'm not joking i mean okay. so, in some way like that that is all i really needed to know okay in some way and you were making films throughout your uh, undergrad, right? No. Nah. No? No, I really wasn't. I didn't have the equipment. The school I went to was like a film studies program. Oh, right. Okay. So I was watching a lot of okay. films, hence my political science uh, degree as well. Okay. Was there like a film you saw in college that blew your mind and made you think differently about films? Yeah. Workmeister Harmonies. Have I, you seen it? I have not. Hungarian movie. Okay. Belatar is the filmmaker. It's great. It'll blow your mind. 
I'm not kidding. It really will. Okay. It's also a good book. Okay. has a great soundtrack, too. It's, I'm not kidding. These are all... What's the name of the director again? Bella Tar. Bella Tar. Yeah. Okay. B-E-L-A, last name T-A-R-R. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to remember that. So would you say you didn't start, like, making films, like making films until grad school? No, I started making films after undergrad. Okay. Oh, was there like a bit of a buffer in between your undergrad and grad school? Yeah, quite a bit of a buffer. Now, how long would you say? Um, I was still five foot eight. <laughs> <laughs> I took many breaths in between. Okay. Was that you working like at that production company in Minnesota? Yeah, actually. So I did that um, very shortly after finishing undergrad. And we were producing TV commercials. Okay. So I made TV commercials for Best Buy, Subway, the Minnesota State Lottery, Target, Target. Um, Yeah, a lot of different places. But I got out of that because it wasn't really why I got into or what I was interested in in terms of filmmaking. I made some good money. If you're looking for a high-paying job, you can do that. Yeah. I wasn't looking for a high-paying job. Yeah. <laughs> Call me blasphemous. Me, I'm I'm not necessarily looking for one either. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, Podcasting doesn't pay well. No. <laughs> not unless like we're blowing the <clears throat> mythology of podcasting <laughs> here. <laughs> unless Adam, do you want to sponsor this podcast? Um, sponsor your own episode of the podcast. <laughs> I have already sponsored it with my presence. <laughs> Actually, the University of Hartford has sponsored my podcast. <laughs> Your podcast with me today. Yeah. Well, uh, officially speaking, this is not brought to you by the University of Hartford. <laughs> no, my presence is brought to you by the University of Hartford. <laughs> yes. So you got out of like shooting commercials and all that because you really wanted to like make your own films, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. I made the controversial decision to forego a lucrative career in commercial film production. Yeah. And then was that the impetus to say attend grad school? No. What happened? So you spent year, a couple, year, a few years. I trying, spent trying many to make more years of being five foot eight. Yeah. Um, I was making some of my own work a little bit, but mainly I was I, I became a film curator. Okay. Yeah. So I started curating films for an organization in the Twin Cities, which at the time. Initially, I was curating for a place called the University Film Society, and they produced the Minneapolis-St. Paul International Film Festival and a few other festivals in town, a music film festival, a Jewish film festival, Latino film festival. They were the hub of the festival uh, circuit in the Twin Cities. I became one of their, their programmers, their curators. Okay. And I did that for a while. And then I moved to Seattle where I continued to do film curation for an organization called Minnesota Film... I'm sorry, uh, there was an organization in Seattle called Minnesota Film Arts. No, um, <laughs> it was called Northwest Film Forum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I was there for a while. And then I decided to go back to school. In grad school, what kind of films did you make? I made... Um, maybe Dakota could describe the films I made. <laughs> Speak loudly. He's trying to accomplish some work over there. <laughs> He's no longer voyeuristically yeah. watching us. 
<laughs> no, but he, so did, what, he did ask permission, so you know we're just yeah. exhibitionists yeah. here. <laughs> so uh, what what kind of what kind of stuff were, were yeah, you? Yeah, I made um, well, I made a lot of different kinds of films. So I came into grad school, and I had, before coming, I I made a lot of uh, dance films. Dan- dance, films? yeah, that's right. You heard correctly. As in, as in like ballroom? No, not at all. Um, as in, uh, I used dance as a way to explore landscapes. Actually, I used movement as a. I was using okay. movement almost as like a topographic tool to explore landscapes that were charged with oh, okay. histories. So the histories that I was looking at in that time were uh, nuclear power. Mm-hmm. Um, there were two landscapes in the state of Washington where one was the site of a facility that produced the plutonium um, for the bomb that was dropped on Nagasaki. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other was a location called Uranium City. And that um, that site is where they uh, mined the uranium ore was used in the bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima. Wow. Yeah. So I was using dance inside of these landscapes as a way to kind of explore the histories, um, the invisible histories, I guess, because these histories are in the past and they're no longer really visible. Mm -hmm. It was a real conceptual project. Right. Yeah. And then, uh, so that's what I came into grad school with, was like work that was doing that. I still made some dance films in my first couple of years of grad school. And, but primarily I was making documentaries. I was like pivoting into documentary production. Right, okay. And I did that also just before grad school in a residency program with a filmmaker named Harun Faroki. Are you familiar with him? I am not. No, Dakota should add it to the syllabus. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Harun Faroki, who's no longer with us, um, had a workshop that he did in Cambridge, Mass. Um, that was called Labor in a Single Shot. And we were tasked with creating these short pieces um, that showed people working. Mm-hmm. Harun was gathering this work from across the world and putting it into an installation and I ended up continuing working on that project on my own for something that I called Work in Progress. And it's an ongoing film about labor and its durations. I have been making that since 2013. Yeah, since I was five foot eight. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll be released when you're five foot eight. No, right? I've shown it a few times. The idea is that the project is, I continue to make it indefinitely. Oh, okay. And I show it periodically. Oh, and it's not that it is getting longer, much like I'm not getting taller any longer. Right. Okay. But um, but you keep tweaking it in between showings. Yeah, the showings become this kind of curatorial process in which I'm right. thinking about the place that I'm showing the work in, and then I put together the film that sort of best speaks to the audience that I'm showing the film. Oh, to. okay. Yeah. Yeah. It also raises the question of like. When when you when would you say a film is finished? Yeah, this film is not finished. That's the whole idea. Right. It's a work in progress. That's the title. And you want it to be to periodically show just 
like say every year or something like that. I every think, yeah, few for, years. every few years the film will screen. Yeah, I'm like, actually thinking of touring it this summer. Yeah, <laughs> no joke, really. really. Yeah, yeah. Um, along with two other films that I've made since then. Um, they would be it would be three feature films. Okay. So there's the one that's screening here tomorrow. Never knows, which mm-hmm. is a film about death and dying. And then I made a film after tomorrow. Never knows called Thirty Six Hours, which is a film about birth. Okay. Um, and the process of the labor really of giving birth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to go on tour uh, called uh, a tour called Life Work Death, well, <laughs> the Life Work <laughs> Death Death Tour. Yeah. It's really a the t-shirts are going to be great. <laughs> when I was looking you up and see, uh, like t- taking a glance at some of your work and like what, where, where you're from and wh- what you've done, I noticed you have some connections with some pretty big names. Like who? Like um, Barry Jenkins. That's right. And I'm... Are there other big names or is there just one? Yeah, <laughs> There's one other I wanted to mention. Now it's not; it's escaping in my mind. But it was it uh, some brothers, perhaps. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, Joshua Benning Safty, yeah, Safty brothers. Yeah. Who did you see their most recent film on? I Jeff? did. I took my dad. Oh God! <laughs> how how old is your father? My father's in his seventies. And is he in know. the third year of the forty fifth <laughs> president of the United States? And how tall is your father? <laughs> yeah. My father is losing height, as it turns out. <laughs> that's usually what happens. No, but like unless things change in the future. <laughs> but um should you be accessing this at a time when your height continues to expand? <laughs> now that did you, didn't that was not always the case. <laughs> did you guys um enjoy Uncut Gems? Yeah, we my dad really loved it actually. Really? Yeah, he did like it. He I, did he did comment about the number of times that the F word, am I allowed to swear on your podcast? Oh yeah, totally. Okay, so he, he was like that he was fucked so many times in this oh, yeah. movie. And it turns out that it was written about. I sent him an article. It's actually the, the film with the seventh most use of the word fuck yeah. in the history of cinema. And then like the top three are by Marty Scorsese. Maybe. Yeah. I actually didn't remember like, like that. pay attention, but I, I was like, well, dad, you're not the only one to comment on this. Yeah. And I, I remember I saw Uncut Gems. Yeah. With, not with your father. Not with my father. No. Um, I mean, we're Jewish, so, you know, this is a film that speaks yeah, to our people. Yeah. I thought it was good. I, don't, I wouldn't say it was an enjoyable experience. If you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, why does cinema have to be an enjoyable experience? For one, I think I... Do you oh. think cinema has to be an enjoyable experience? From my own preferences? Yeah. I would say I would like it to be enjoyable. And I mean, how do you define enjoyable, though? If I had a good time. If I... Did you not have a good... Did you not leave that film and think, <clears throat> like, wow, that was kind of an incredible experience? It was an experience. I thought it was... I thought the film was good. Yeah. And it was an experience to have. And do you enjoy having experiences that are good? Yes. <laughs> So you must have enjoyed yourself. I mean, because <laughs> I think um, for people who are not familiar with the film, it's... Um, it's you know, violent. It's violent. and They use the word fuck. A lot. A, a ton. It's anxiety-inducing. Yeah. It, like, mo- I've heard... It mo- achieved its goal. I've heard a lot of people describe it as like a two-hour anxiety attack. Yeah. And... How is that different than, say, a James Bond movie? Or like a, one of the Marvel films? Um, 
I mean, maybe these Marvel films in the James Bond movie these days, right, have these like ironic asides that they throw in so that you laugh at something that's actually really dumb. Yeah. But um, mostly they're anxiety inducing uh, experiences. I mean, that's primarily their kind goal. Kind of. Um, well, at least in that case, they're, it's like you're in awe or excited about what's about what the action that's happening. But in terms and you're not in awe or excited about the action that's happening in the uncut gem. I was, but it was like, but it was also really uncomfortable. Yeah, sure. And uh, as opposed to say, like watching the Avengers, isn't that a productive experience for you, putting you out of your comfort zone? Sure, but I was also like, because I would argue that my films are trying to put you a little <laughs> out of your comfort zone. Well, in terms of uncut well, gems, see, you're going to come to my movie tonight. I yes, I am. He's okay. uh, you're. The um teaser, the your, trailer, yeah, and I did I put you out of your comfort zone? That's <laughs> uh, well. The thing is, with uncut gems, I part of why it wasn't quote unquote enjoyable for me. I think was because I saw it really late at night. You were trying to go to sleep afterwards, and well, it was like the only showing at my particular theater uh, at like it's at poorly per- programmed. Yeah, and. I like, I think I was dehydrated and kind of had a headache. And so watching Uncut Gems does not help that. I think it's the inverse conditions, maybe. So, like, you might not have had a good experience being dehydrated. And what was the other thing you said? I was like, I had a headache. Yeah. If you had a headache and you were dehydrated, you might not have had a good experience watching, like, a Charlie Chaplin film. Yeah. So, I think you're. You brought your conditions into the cinema with you, which we yeah. all do all oh, yeah, the time. Yeah. And it, it made you not necessarily enjoy your experience. But you recognized that you might have enjoyed your experience if you didn't have yeah. a headache or you were not I'm still I'm still glad I saw the film. Yeah. But it feels like, you know, like those films where you watch it once and you're like, that was great. Yeah. I don't ever have to see that ever again. So you're not going to experience it when you're not dehydrated or... <laughs> oh, no, maybe... Maybe if I feel real crazy one day, I'm like, I'd be like, I'm gonna watch this again. I'm gonna see what happens. Yeah, but make sure you do it when not in those physical conditions. Yeah, oh yeah, totally. Okay. When you were working with Barry Jenkins, yeah. What what project was that? So we made a short film. Um, I was producing these short films actually at the time, and I did that with both the Softy Brothers and Barry Jenkins. Okay. And that was through my work at Northwest Film Forum. Mm-hmm. So we were producing. Uh, one-shot films, so kind of like Lumiere-style films yeah. in that there's no edits in the work. Mm-hmm. It's a very simple way for me to engage with filmmakers who I was bringing to the, to the Northwest Film Forum. So Barry came with Medicine for Melancholy. Yeah. Before he arrived, I said, would you like to make a short film? And he said, sure. And I said, it has to be just one shot. You can't edit the work. And so he made a film that's called One Shot um, about a young woman robbing a small family grocery store. The Softy Brothers made a film called Cold Hustle. You can still find Cold Hustle out there, but I think Barry's pulled his film from Circulation. <laughs> I thought it was a great movie, so. <laughs> but I understand. Barry, if you're out there, he's, 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 he's email me back. <laughs> he's ashamed of One Shot. Is that what it is? I don't think so. I mean, I think, you know, like you get to a certain point in your career where maybe the earlier work, you try to hide it. 
Yeah, I suppose. That, I'm not accusing you of that, Barry. I love you, Barry. <laughs> I also love you, Barry. Barry slept on my on my couch a few times. <laughs> no kidding. Subsequently, he came to he would come up to Seattle to watch films. Yeah. That we were screening, and he'd stay at my apartment. Cool. Yeah. That's that's amazing. Yeah, well, that was before Barry Jenkins was Became Barry, Barry Jen- Jenkins. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, which by the way, Barry Jenkins, if you're listening, I'll, if you want to be on the show, you gotta hashtag this, buddy, because if you put a, if you put the right hashtag, maybe Barry will find it. His agent will at least find it, and maybe they'll try to bury this show too. Hashtag Benson meets Barry. Benson meets Barry. <laughs> Barry Barry Jenkins. If you want to be on the show, I would. I, I would, think you I, need to hashtag just Barry Jenkins. I wouldn't say no. <laughs> so. I presume you've seen uh, his work since. Oh, yeah, of course. And you, you've enjoyed them? Yeah, I've enjoyed them. They've put me out of my comfort zone. Yeah. yeah. I saw Moonlight. Yeah. But I haven't seen if Beale Street could talk yet. You should. So. Yeah. Barry's a great filmmaker. He is, totally. And, oh, I, have, I haven't seen his first one, Medicine for Melancholy. Yeah, you should, you should see that. You're, you're making your judgment off of this one movie you saw of his. Well, <laughs> I mean, it blew you away, but it that I like. It's difficult to say that he's a great filmmaker after one movie. I, I suppose, yeah, yeah. So you should watch the I, other film. I should watch these other things, and then you will come out with the same opinion. <clears throat> Although, I trust, I'll tell, I'll tell I you, trust that. you will come out with the. I'll same tell you this: I know he's he's dating Lulu Wong. Right? I had no idea. He was dating this woman, this, this Asian woman, actually in Seattle for a while, which is partially who why was not was, Lulu Wong. No, <laughs> who he was coming back to see periodically. I've outed you, Barry. <laughs> now they're really going to bury this. <laughs> no, but he's um, he's at he knows he at the very least knows Lulu Wong. Okay, and um, and you I have saw, a big crush on Lulu Wong. I. I, I <laughs> <laughs> I saw her film The Farewell. Have okay. You, have you seen it? I'm familiar with it, but I did not watch this yeah. movie yet. I'm, if I'm not mistaken, it's her first feature. Okay. Uh, no, I loved it. I yeah. thought it was a great film. Now it makes me think that's her only feature, though. You can't wait for their children. And it's, that, <laughs> and you know, it's, only, it's her only feature, and it's the only film I've seen of hers because it's her only feature. Yeah. But would it be? There's probably some shorts. Yeah, but would you? Would I say the same argument? Is it difficult for you to say that she's a great filmmaker based upon the single film that you've watched? Is that what you're about to ask? Yeah, me? I mean, I I think you would have to wait to see what her next film looks yeah. like. Yeah, I. It might be a, a fluke. Barry's not a fluke. <laughs> Trust me, you were right to say that Barry's a good film. Yeah. Well, oh, I hear he's also um, he's adapting that uh, Colson Whitehead novel, The Underground Railroad. I didn't know into this. a miniseries. Yeah, you know more about Barry than I do. <laughs> he slept on your couch. That's right. And I know more about Barry than you do. I mean, you know more about his professional life, yeah. but I can tell you that it, about his odors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I he's love ad- you, Barry. So he's he's adapting uh, the Underground Railroad into a miniseries for I think HBO. Okay. Or something. That's great. So, something like that. Yeah. And uh, this is why one shot doesn't can't be found anywhere yeah, any longer. <laughs> He's on to bigger and better things. That's right. And but the Softy Brothers, on the other hand, they 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 allow Cold Hustle to live in the world. Right. It is an anxiety-inducing film. Or I feel like that's the, like their work. Yeah. Although, have you seen Daddy Longlegs? I have not. Yeah, it's a beautiful film. So the only Safdie Brothers film I've seen is Uncut Gems. Okay, well, <laughs> so, 
you should watch their yeah. their other films. Yeah, I've been meaning to watch. Gr- they have more than Barry. Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah, I look like I would. All of their films are not anxiety inducing. <laughs> I've been meaning to watch the film before Uncut Gems called Good Time, starring Good Robert Pattinson. It's great. And anxiety inducing. So it's <laughs> I remember I like flipped past it on Netflix. Like, do I really Do you go to the movies? Like or is Netflix your only source of no, watching I, work. I try to watch. I try to go to theaters to watch movies rather often. Okay, good. So, in fact, because I'm so like, it's being, just that you reference Netflix a few times. Yeah, so I, I, know. I thought I should check in. And we're at that point in the most podcast. of me. <laughs> most of me using Netflix is looking for things to watch and then not watching them. Okay. So because, uh, like, as a student and like being really busy, it doesn't feel right to like put on something to watch at home when I could be doing like actual my schoolwork or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I use going to see movies at the theater as a way to, hey, it's going to start whether you're there or not. Yeah. So you could just go and watch it and then, and that's how I see a lot of things okay, when, I'm, when I'm real busy and I don't want to just throw something on at home. That's you know? good. People should be watching movies in the yeah. theater, especially during this COVID-19 period. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in and, the third year of the 45th president. And share your popcorn and cough on everyone. Yeah. Yeah, sure. You and don't wash your hands when you go to the restroom. <laughs> no, it's amazing a, how many people I see. The men's room. Oh yeah, the men's room is a crazy place. Like, <laughs> I can't believe how many people leave the men's room and don't wash their hands. They had people, I know, right? It's it's kind of frightening. It is. It was frightening before, but now it's particularly frightening. Yeah, I'm sorry to blow out your. Uh, no, it's all right. <laughs> I mean, as long as you don't peek too often. Yeah, yeah. I. Uh, what was the most recent thing you saw in theaters? I'll let that joke go. Um, the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just got it. Okay. <laughs> you, well, I guess in terms of your career, you could only peak once, right? Yeah, that's, <laughs> maybe. No, but what was the most recent thing you saw in theaters? Yeah, it's a good question. What was it? Oh, I saw this film. It was a, actually it was a shot in Louisiana. Okay. In the eighties, and it just came back. Oh boy, what is the title of this? Oh, Cane River is what it's called. Okay. Yeah, it's about like, I call it like a film about different shades of black. Okay. Um, it is so about... Moonlight? N- in a way. <laughs> I mean, it's like about, uh, it's a love story like Moonlight. Okay. It is not um, the same kind of tracking time in the same way as Moonlight doesn't do that. Okay. Uh, it's about um, two young black people in Mm -hmm. this area, this kind of rural area of Louisiana who fall in love. And they are, yeah, one of them comes from a family of wealth uh, whose family owned slaves during slavery. And the other one comes from a family who's not so wealthy. Her family was enslaved. Kind of the conflicts that arise inside of that tension in Mm -hmm. the black community. Right, okay. In Louisiana in particular. Yeah. It's a very interesting work. It was restored and it's being released now by Oscilloscope, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So you'll probably be able to stream it on Netflix. Maybe Netflix will pick it up and then re- and distribute it or something like that. Well, they'll stream it. Okay. I don't yeah. think they'll pick it up. Okay. Yeah. I feel bad about sharing what, like my recent, most recent film now. Yeah, go ahead. It doesn't I, matter. I mean, I watch like, some of my favorite work is done by this this amazing comedic actor named Will Ferrell. Okay. You know him? 
I'm not joking. <laughs> Again, like I love Will Ferrell. Okay. So don't feel embarrassed about the films that oh, you're about like, to. Looking at your body of work yeah. and you explaining like things you've seen recently. Yeah. Like, he's like real socially conscious. He's watching all this stuff. And then I'm like, I watched The Invisible Man. That's great. The most recent thing I saw was The Invisible Man. I didn't watch that. It's um, a, actually, maybe I watched something else. I probably watched Three Days of the Condor again okay. most recently, but not in the cinema. Right. Are you at least familiar with the concept of Invisible Man? Like, it's based on the H.G. Wells sure. story of the okay. Invisible Man. Yeah. And there's a, there's a new adaptation of this. Yes. By okay. uh, Lee Wanell. Okay. He was, um, he, uh... Is it great? Huh? Is it great? I, I really liked it. Yeah. I thought it was great. You, it, was, it was entertaining. It was really entertaining. It was entertaining. not anxiety-inducing. Not like Uncut Gems, yeah, but in a different way because it is a thriller horror think, film. Do you thing. think there's a, like, can you describe something about the cinematic techniques that perhaps Uncut Gems use that are different um, from uh, yeah. The Invisible Man? Okay, so in Uncut Gems, the thing that really, like, drove my anxiety through the roof was early on when the first scene when you're in the jewelry store. yeah. He's talking to Lakeith Stan- Adam Sandler's talking to Lakeith Stanfield, right? Yeah. And the sound of everyone else in the room talking kept rising. Yeah. At first, I thought this must be a mistake. The, this audio is way too compressed. Yeah. And then I realized, oh, that's the point. Yeah. Like this is it's supposed to sound really loud, like a, a cacophony of chaos yeah. in this jewelry store, and it made me super uncomfortable. I'm like, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's something else going on in that movie too, yeah. which is like they're using a lot of close-ups in that yeah, film. Yeah, it's real. So they're like holding the tension oh, in yeah. tight shots. Yeah, but in say The Invisible Man. Yeah, um, wides. A lot of wides. Very well um, mixed sound. Yes. In a way, you could say the sound in that scene from Uncut Gems was well mixed to oh, achieve yeah, what I, they wanted. I'm sure it was. Yeah. Um, but in The Invisible Man, one of the things I really liked that Lee Wanell did, uh, the writer-director of the movie, a lot of times... You'd be like have a wide on Elizabeth Moss, yeah, and then the camera would pan over to like empty space in the room, yeah, and then hang on there for like almost too long, and then pan back to her because it's supposed to be like he's invisible, yeah, he could be right right there, and but you don't know. So the but, tension is held in the pause, yeah, and in the em- in the empty space, yeah. Okay, it's the technique of showing you what's not there to try to scare you, yeah. Like or withholding the presence of whatever the monster or villain is supposed to be. Sure, it's playing with your expectation of what yeah. should be there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. That's great. I've barely talked about my work, That's but <laughs> I think we've reached our hour. Probably. I mean, we can go. I mean, you don't have to do anything until what? Well, until three thirty. Okay. Um, and I should probably stop sometime before then. Okay. Well, I, I have class at like three, so we'll yeah. have. I think. At the very latest, stop at like 2.30. Okay. But I would like to talk about your work. Yeah. So the film you're screening here as part of the Making Conscious Media um, program program class with uh, Professor Nen is called Tomorrow Never Knows. That's right. Right. You spoke about it briefly before. Death and dying. Yeah. Earlier. It's about death and dying. Um, Is there much more you could say without, say, um, giving away the film? It's about, yeah, so the film's about a transgendered individual who has early onset Alzheimer's, is a Buddhist, decides they want to have a conscious death. Okay. And the only legal option they have is to stop eating and drinking. Okay. And it's a documentary, right? It's a documentary. It doesn't look like a documentary, but it's a documentary. Does that mean it's a docudrama? No. 
It means that I'm not like, I don't pe- put people, it's not like this. It's okay. not like a podcast where there's two people talking to each other. There's not set lighting around an individual that um, I'm interviewing. Okay. You're not going to find interviews in my film. So you seem perplexed. Does that you mean you raised your head and per- suggested to me you were perplexed? Does that mean it's like you're flying a wall just filming people do stuff? Yeah, mostly. Okay. I'm doing stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. When did you start working on this? Well, this was my thesis film, which is when Dakota first saw it. In fact, Dakota probably gave me feedback a few times. Yeah, so I started filming this project in 2016, I believe. Okay. In the late summer. And then I finished in September of 2017. No, I started filming this in 2015 in the late summer. And I finished in September of 2016, the filming. Okay. So I spent about a year with these, with the couple. So it's two people. Mm-hmm. Only one of them has Alzheimer's. Only one of them is deciding to have this conscious death. And the other one is their spouse who's supporting this individual through right. the process. Um, so I filmed for, with the two of them for a year. Okay. And then I spent the next six months probably editing the film. Okay. Did you enter into like festivals or anything like that? Yeah, the film played uh, like 20 festivals, I think. It premiered in London at the British Film Institute. Okay, yeah. cool. And then it, it played all over the globe. I feel pretty fortunate. Yeah. It's very cool. And I noticed the the film... The film's title is Tomorrow Never Knows, yeah. which is a Beatles song. That's right. Um, you know your Beatles. Yes, I do. You're, you were a fan of the 60s at one time. Oh, yes. Why did, why did you choose to title it Tomorrow, Tomorrow Never, Never Knows? Knows? Yeah, well, so the first day I showed up to film with this couple, Shar and Cynthia are their names. Um, Shar, who's the individual with early onset Alzheimer's, uh, had this piece of paper on, a, um, on like a countertop Mm -hmm. and I looked at it and I said Char what's this and he said yeah this is music to die to this is my music that I'm putting together that I want to listen to while I'm dying I was like wow that's incredible what is the first song on your list and Char said tomorrow never knows actually I asked him the last song (laughs) not the first one it was what is the song what is the last song what is the song you want to die to tomorrow never knows or did you ascertain like the rest of this playlist? Or? Yeah, actually, the playlist is available on a Spotify. You can find oh, it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I uh, can share it with you. We can have it as a download or something in your or a link in in the on your podcast. Yeah. If you'd like. Yeah, guys, if you want to, there's some songs you can die to. <laughs> well, it's one individual's playlist. Yeah. I mean, it's Char's playlist. Yeah. So. It happens to be a playlist that Char conceived of mm-hmm. when Char was conceiving of Char's death. So, right. Okay. Yeah. I imagine he... Yeah, we're going to just use the word Char. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and this is a complicated part of the film. So Char, instead of he, she, right. gender oh, pronouns, I, I go actually with Char. Yeah. I try. I, I did right. say he earlier, so yeah. I, I slipped up. But Char has a very gender fluid yeah. personality in this So world. when Char... Yeah. I assume Char has died since you made the film. Char died in the process of making oh, the right, film. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Okay. Ha- you will witness this. Oh, wow. Yeah. Prepare right. yourself. Okay. H- hanky in tow, as they say. Okay. I assume beforehand you've never uh, caught someone dying on film. Never. Uh, 
No, but I had made a film about a cremation before this. So I had seen a cremation and filmed a cremation. How was that experience? The cremation or watching somebody die? um, Catching Char on uh, dying on film. Profound? Yeah. It was a real profound experience. Moving, in some ways inspiring. I mean, that's hard to say because somebody died, but it was a very conscious... Somebody decided to die. Yeah. Uh, When you first got started making this, was it they approached you? You approached them to start making it? So their Buddhist chaplain came to me because of the film that I made about the cremation. Okay. And asked if I would be interested in making a film. And at the time, it wasn't clear to me that I was making a film about somebody dying. It was clear that I was making a film about somebody who had Alzheimer's. But... In the process of pretty quickly upon spending time with them, it was clear that this is what was going to happen. And if I paid attention on day one, really good attention, let's say looking at a playlist that says music to die to, I would have recognized that this is what was ahead of me. Did you have any reservations when you first found out, oh, it is going to be this? No, none. I mean, I'm very much on board with the right to die movement. And... I had to, I I wouldn't have made the film otherwise. Okay. Yeah. Do you think it's like your responsibility to to, share the story? To share the story? That's my responsibility was to share the story as Char and Cynthia were experiencing it. Right. Obviously, you're proud of this work. Yeah. Would you think Char would have liked the film? I shared parts of the film with Char before Char died. And Char understood my vision. Okay. Yeah. As best as I could tell. What would you say is the the um, the thing you were trying to achieve with the film, with the message that you were trying to convey? I mean, a number of things I'd say. The message, I mean, the message is about choice and dying. The message right. is about love um, and the about boundless love. Right. The message is about supporting the people around you. Yeah. In difficult times. There's a, there's a lot of messages in there. There's some spirituality in the film. There's there's quite a bit going on. That's why you want people to get out of this film, to like realize people should be in charge of their own lives and in turn their own deaths. Yeah, very much. People should have a choice in how they end their life. Right. Yeah. We started in tears of laughter. I think we are. <laughs> That's why I always hope for the podcast. We start in one place and end up in another. Yeah. That's our arc for the episode. That's a good arc. (laughs) Well, um, I think that's a good place to end. Sure. Uh, Thank you so much for having me on your show. Thank you so much for being on. Absolutely. Thanks to Professor Dakota Nant. For for arranging this. Yeah. And uh, being a voyeur to, to, (laughs) to the recording. Being a voyeur to the experience. Thanks to the um, cleaning crew who tried to come in and take care of our room here. (laughs) Thanks to the University of Hartford. Thanks to my mom and dad. Thank you, Char and Cynthia. Thank you, Barry Jenkins. Thank you, Josh and Benny Softie. Thank you, Northwest Film Forum. I am, I guess you could say flattered that you think being on this podcast is so special that you're using it to as a platform as for a, my thanks to for my gratitude you're like you're accepting an award and you're thanking everybody yeah 
It was a fun. It was a fun time talking to you. Actually, really was so, it? Yeah, it was. I only hope it's fun for people. Well, I hope that it's more than fun. I hope it's um, uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it drives your anxiety through the roof. Yeah, I'm but, gonna, but enjoyable, in, nevertheless. In post, I'm gonna I hope com- you learn something. In post, I'm gonna compress the think recording about so much. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you'll feel like. Uh, Adam Sandler or Lakeith Stanfield in that scene in Uncut Gems in the jewelry store when everyone's talking and if and it's it's I can't wait to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> then I'll be able to judge the um, educational skills of the University of Hartford. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. Um. So. Or at least your ability to watch YouTube tutorials. Yeah. Now, so tomorrow never knows is screening here today. Today, today, yeah. So um, this podcast will it will come after the film, but yes. you can you can stream it online through yeah. uh, Vimeo on demand. Yeah. So Vimeo v i m e o dot com uh, has an on demand section, and yeah. you can search for Tomorrow Never Knows, yeah. and you'll find my film. And just one more thing, um, what ex- what what are you working on lately? Uh, so I'm working on a film about a woman in her 60s who has a latent life awakening in the Salt Lake City BDSM community. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's called The Flamingo. Okay. And you can contribute to that film through GoFundMe. Okay, cool. Yeah. Look for my name, copy and paste it, <laughs> yeah. and uh, GoFundMe, and you'll come across The Flamingo. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um if I get a donation, I know it came from this podcast because yeah, I haven't been plugging <laughs> that donation for a long time. So thank you for that opportunity and the opportunity to talk to you. Cool. I can't wait to hear. I, I can't wait to uh, to edit this. Yeah. Edit. Oh, boy. <laughs> Walking through a door. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you once again for being on the show. What's the name of the show? This show is called The Podcast. Oh, that's it? Wow, it's, this is the most original name. <laughs> the full title is The Podcast with Benson Ty. Okay, and you must be Benson Ty. Yes. Yeah, I don't think you started with an intro. It's, no. <laughs> Do you start, did you just like dive into every one of your episodes or is that part of the editing process? I just think of these as me having conversations with people. Yeah. So it, it's not going to be, I mean, in this case, it was me like asking you questions about stuff. It was as, like more like a dialogue, I think. Yeah, but like that was more like, professional curiosity. I asked you quite a few questions. Yeah. But it was more... <laughs> Will they be edited out? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, I tend to keep all, all this in. But you know, it's like me asking you questions throughout this whole thing was more of a professional curiosity on my behalf. Yeah, sure. Uh, but like say if I'm sitting down with just a friend of mine, we're not. Pro- I'm not going to interview them yeah. so much. We're probably just going to make each other laugh the whole time. Okay. So well, we did a little bit of that. Yeah. <laughs> So now we're pals. Yeah. We're friends. Yeah. I have an in with Adam Sekuler. That's right. Um, I didn't sleep on his couch, though. <laughs> <laughs> he was, however, on the podcast. I was on the podcast. Yes. Thanks so much. Mm-hmm.